755 is real with David O'Brien and Eric O'Flaherty. It is on the air now. Welcome back to 755 is real. I'm David O'Brien, Braves writer with The Athletic. We are presented by Tops. Check out Tops Project 70, celebrating 70 years of Tops baseball cards. We got a uh, we got a regular co-host, of course, Eric O'Flaherty. What's up, Eric? How you doing, man? What's up? I'm good. Hell of a game last night, wasn't it? That was a good one. All I could think was those those two teams need to play three games, man. But other people made a point of, well, that game wouldn't have been as great though if it wasn't, you know, make or break. And I could see both sides of it, but still. You know, we're the only ones that enjoy it. The people watching are the only ones that enjoy that one game format. <laughs> I think it's great for baseball. You know, obviously, if you're on one of those teams, it sucks because yeah. you jump straight into game three, basically, of a of a three-game set. But Right. Until you win, then it's like, okay, that was the greatest awesome, thing ever. But it's awesome, uh, but <laughs> it's just a high-stress game, man. I, I do think God, it's good it for the game to do it like that. But it, personally, as a player, I'd like to see it be three series, uh, three-game series. Yeah. But it was a... Uh, uh, did you think that uh, Pujols was going to end it there? I thought he did for a second. Dude, for I feel like in those situations, you know, if he hits a homer 20% of the time or whatever it is, it's like 98% of the time when you got a chance to put your former team away. Yeah. For whatever reason, those, thing, those things just seem to work like that, but didn't work out for him, but he was close. He well, almost got him. What's that? I'm sorry. I said it was he almost he almost got him. I mean, he yeah, just missed he that ball. Yeah. Um, we got a special guest tonight because uh, obviously with the Braves playing the Brewers, we're going to talk about that series as promised when we did one of these a couple of days ago. We thought we'd hold off and talk about this Brewers uh, Braves series today. So we got a special guest, our Braves writer, our Brewers writer from the Athletic, Will Salmon. Welcome, Will. How you doing, man? Doing well, guys. Thanks for having me on. Looking forward to. Uh talking about this series, I think it has the makings to be maybe the most fun series. Yeah. I think it's pretty, sorry, I feel like it's going to be pretty competitive. I think it's two really good teams. Yeah. And pretty evenly matched with different strengths and really fun when that happens, I feel like. Yeah, I think it probably is the most evenly matched of the uh, of the series. Maybe the Dodgers-Giants, too. You couldn't argue with that after what they did all season, but this is a really evenly matched series. and I, I think especially... People are uh, people have focused so much on the Brewers one through three starters, cause and for good reason because they've had tremendous years. But I think people are maybe overlooking the Braves one through one and two because they look at the overall ERA. It's not as good as the Brewers, but look at since the postseason, you could argue that Freed and Charlie have been better, even than than the Brewers guys, which is crazy because. You know, both Brewers guys are going to get Cy Young votes, but I mean, Freed has been one seven four ERA since uh, since the break, and like one four something since first of August. And Charlie has been tremendous in the second half, and we know what his postseason pedigree is. So, I think those are going to be great pitching matchups. What do you think about uh, going into this thing where the Brewers guys are one through three, and uh, are, and is and is three definite? Yeah, Peralta. Yeah, no, I agree with you though on on that point that you made about the Braves pitchers, I think that people are kind of sleeping on them a little bit. And I feel like Charlie Morton, like I can't remember the last time I saw him give up a run. Like what was he on like 10, 10 or something? Anything it's like that, man, he's been lights out since what uh, last couple of months, especially. I think he had maybe yeah. just a, 
oh, a wacky by his standards start to the season, if I remember right. Yeah. But then he's he's really yeah. yeah he's been electric. I think so. I mean, he's been typical Charlie Morton. Um, he gets the job done. So, and he's also interesting because the Brewers uh, they have struggled against breaking balls this year. Um, it's been better since the uh, since the break or since the second half of the season, and part of that's because obviously they've gotten better players in their lineup because of trade acquisitions. Um, but I still feel like that's the type of pitcher that gives them fits. You know, they 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 struggle against those type of guys, and so I'm eager to see how that plays out. Um, but with your question on um, the Brewers starters, yeah, you know, it will be Burns, Corbin Burns, game one, like you mentioned, he's a uh, a favorite, I guess, for the Cy Young this year. He's had a tremendous season. And then behind him will be Brandon Woodruff, who was their opening day pitcher and sort of their de facto number one for a little while. Uh, but it just goes to show you how good Corbin Burns has been that they sort of flip-flop them come postseason time. Uh, number three, they haven't um, said. Uh, I'd be surprised if it wasn't Freddie Peralta, though. I think that they want to keep Freddie Peralta perhaps as maybe an option in the bullpen for game one. Um, and then still go to him game mm-hmm. three, maybe on a shorter rest and maybe ask him to pitch three or four innings. That's something that I could see them doing if they need to. Because again, you got to remember the uh, absence of Devin Williams, of course, since he punched the wall and yeah. fractured his hand. So I, I feel like that's what's going to be nine outs, maybe, if, if of, of the series when you yeah. really think about it. So it's like, you could make a big deal out of it, out of it, and you probably should because it's high leverage outs. But at the same time, they're looking at it as how do we get those six or nine outs, however it is it's going to be. And it could be Freddie. I think he's maybe a dark horse candidate for that. I think like the stars have to align for that to sort of happen. But also Adrian Hauser is a guy who's had a great season as a starting pitcher, and Eric Lauer, uh, ditto for him, great season as a starting pitcher. Both of those guys could factor into the um, middle innings out of the bullpen since. They're going to need just three or four guys anyway in the five-game series. Yeah, you mentioned their uh, uh, struggles are against the breaking balls, and in that regard, the Braves couldn't have better matchups because they got two of the best breaking balls in baseball going yep. in games one and two with with Charlie and with Freed. I mean, they both have devastating curveballs, so that's going to be interesting. Um, yeah, we've talked about Devin Williams, how big a blow that is for them because, uh, I mean – He's he's not hater, but he's pretty close. I mean, he's filthy, man. And and now you got that bridge, and that bridge is – the guys you mentioned, if one of them steps up, yeah, he answers that. But Devin Williams is filthy. Uh, so I'm going to be interested to see how that – play. it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out and whether they will burn, uh, so to speak, their number three starter to fill that. You know, Peralta's a huge strikeout guy. So, um, yeah, Ian Anderson – if you'd asked me two weeks ago, I would have said I would have been worried for the Braves in game three, but he's really pitched a lot better in his last couple of times out. Looked a lot more like himself before his injury. Um, so that that the Braves might, who knows, depending on what they do with Peralta, the Braves might have an advantage here. I don't know. That's going to be good, though. Uh, these first two are going to decide it, though. If either team can take the first two games, it's going to be really tough for the other t- side to come back from that, I think. But not for And that's obvious in any series, but... I think these are critical, especially with the Braves on the road. They played really well on the road this year. Surprising, but really well wherever they've gone. So, what do you think, uh, Eric, about these, about the guys he was talking about, and, and how they how the Braves match up with those guys? I know the Braves Burns and 
There is just one thing. The Braves did have success against those two guys in that series. I don't know if that was a fluky thing or if they just each had a, you know, a little bit of a rough day. But against both Burns and Woodruff, I was kind of surprised how how the Braves did hit against them or, and drew some walks. Yeah, you, you know, you hope that that wasn't a fluky thing. But those guys are too good to to expect yeah. to do that to them again. So, right. you know, I mean, that's you got your hands full with those guys. Burns is... I felt like every time I saw him pitch this year, it was no hitter through six or something like that. And, and Woodruff's mm-hmm. just as good too. Um, but I like, I like the fact that we're talking about the Brewers stug- struggling against breaking balls because Charlie and Freed, I mean, both have nasty curve balls and you saw what Wainwright was able to do against the Dodgers, which is a tough lineup last night. Uh, in today's game, I think a curveball having an actual, you know, 12, six or solid little bit slower curveball. Um, is just kind of a neutralizer with the approach guys have. Um, so it's it's the best time for me in a long time to be throwing a curveball and relying on that. And just the swings Charlie's gotten on his curveball this year, you know, in, in counts, guys knew it was coming. Even when he'd hang it or, or leave it middle, they're still fouling it off, topping it. So, I mean, I, I just think, you know, overall looking at it, you could see a really pitching heavy series this whole time. And, you know, with Williams – that's a big factor for me, you know, having been in the pen, talk to guys, what a difference it makes, how much more pressure it puts on the offense to know, especially the Braves, you know, knowing if you don't score by the seventh and you don't get a lead by the seventh, how much mm-hmm. more pressure that puts on the offense to get it done off the starter. And if you're pressing against these two starters, you're in trouble. So, yeah, it's going to be a good pitching matchup for sure. I think the Braves would have – this is the year the Braves could have benefited from the format they had last year when they had no off days because without Devin Williams, that would really be a factor because you couldn't use yeah. Hader, you know, back to back to back with the Absolutely. one and a half or, or one and a third to two innings. They're going to be be- they're going to benefit from the fact there's an off day after that th- second game. I mean, uh, Will, what Hader – theoretically, could Hader go, you know, an inning and a third in game one and then go – an inning and two thirds or two innings in game two. Can he do that? He hasn't you know, done be, it as much this year, has he? He hasn't done it at all. So I'd be surprised if, yeah. um, you know, I spoke to him before Devin Williams, um, before it was known that Devin Williams had fractured his hand. And I had asked him just, Hey, like, do you think that it's possible for you to pitch more than one inning in the postseason? And he said, I don't think so, because it's unrealistic to ask to ask that yeah. of me when I haven't done it all year. Exactly. And I thought that was valid. You know, I thought that was wow. extremely valid. I think sometimes people say like, well, the playoffs are the time to do it. Right. And that's what I that's what I kind of like countered to him with just in a conversation about it. And he was like, well, you're asking me to, to prepare my body differently than I have all season and to mentally get up for that. Um after sitting down is not something I experienced in two years either. So I don't know how that would even play. So it's interesting. Uh, I don't expect that to happen where they would ask him to do that or him, for him to do that, yeah. um, which is critical, I think. Cause like, I think sometimes yeah. people from like a national point of view, they still remember Josh as yeah. the guy who could yeah. log, you know, more than one inning, but um, last two and year, a third. yeah, exactly. Uh, but last year in the truncated season, which everybody, uh, forgot about or didn't pay attention to <laughs> you know he uh he that was his first year of actually being a one inning traditional closer they didn't ask him to do anything else and then heading into this year they never asked him to pitch more than one inning and he really didn't pitch in many non-safe situations either for that matter um he didn't come in in like the eighth inning of a, a tie game or something tie like game. that 
you know, he, it was not the case. He was very traditional, um, which is kind of surprising to see from a team like the Brewers because they operate yeah. non-traditionally in every single other way. Um, yeah. So this was different. And so without that being part of the equation, again, I, I'm, I'm guessing just based on talking with him and the, the year that I saw, if that's not the case, uh, you know, I look for them to rely on rookie Aaron Ashby in that situation in the eighth inning or Hunter Strickland, um, somebody like that, Jake Cousins. I mean, these are guys who they're not exactly names that are probably going to scare people listening to this. If you're brave sense, uh, in the way that Devin Williams and Josh Hader can shorten the game. They've been mm-hmm. good though yeah. for the Brewers. Like those guys I've mentioned have been really, really good. Um, and they have strikeout stuff and that's critical, but, they're certainly not Devin Williams. That that's a so, great point, man. About about, uh, I think most people do overlook the fact that Hater is a one inning guy now. They assume he's yeah. going to go an inning, two thirds, two innings even, because we saw him do it on the postseason that year, where everybody's just astounded. And I mean, that really does change things. And if people are expecting him to do that, and he's not going to do it, and I I agree with you. We've seen teams try to do that with relievers before in the postseason after not doing it all year. And you're always kind of scratching your head going, how is that the best option now when you never did it during the season? And they just think a guy can, you know, just all of a sudden get jacked up and come out and, and Eric can, can, can address that better than either of us. But I mean, what is that like to ask a guy to do something in a postseason, you know, just based on the fact that games are bigger, something you never asked him to do during the season. Shit. I'll go seven in the postseason if you <laughs> ask me to, I mean, that, that that's the attitude most players have, but Hearing him say that almost makes me think, you know, having gone through it and done it, maybe all that, maybe all those multiple innings appearances, you know, kind of piled up right. on him and, and he was feeling that the next spring training. And and so maybe, you know, when I hear a guy come out and say it, it sounds like I don't want to put myself through that again, you know, and, and he's done it. He's done it a lot in the past. And there might've been something where they decided, you know, you're, you're not 22 anymore. You're not 23 anymore. We got to start protecting this guy, recognizing his long-term value. Um, but to hear a yeah. guy come out and say it, you know, that's that's not something I, I think I'm going to do or or I'm I'm prepared to do. And it's asking a lot. It tells me that he's yeah. coming to some of those off seasons after doing it and been hurting and come up to spring training the next year and and still had kind of a dead arm or or felt that effect. So. If he's saying that, I wouldn't expect it, but that's kind of, I mean, it's kind of shocking for me to hear him say it because most, most guys say, throw me, even if you they know, don't, if you need me to come in, they don't mean it. I mean, even if they don't, if they yeah. know it's not going to happen, even if they know it's not going to happen, but they mean right. it, you know, like for me, if, if they ask me to go three, it's like, give me the ball, you know? And, and a lot of times I was an inning or an inning and a third type of guy, or even two thirds of an inning, but never two. You know, just going into the postseason, most guys are going to say, yeah, I'll throw two back-to-back days if you need me to. Um, so that, that tells me that he's felt the effect of, of done it in the past and can look at it a little differently now. And he might have talked to some other veterans or to his agent or whoever and yeah. said, you know what, I'm never going to have a big payday if I keep doing this because yeah. I'm going to get hurt and I'm going to be done. And they're going to be like, next, thanks, thank well, you. once that fastball is gone, man. Yeah, <laughs> you, that you electric fastball. Can't yeah. get it back. Um, yeah, the, uh, the Devin Williams thing, boy, the Braves went through this with Enoa early in the year, ironically at Milwaukee when he had his one, he had two bad starts early in the first half. Otherwise he was their best pitcher in the first two months before he punched the dugout bench in Milwaukee after a bad start ruined his season. I mean, missed three months and he hasn't been the same since he came back at all. So 
you would think guys would learn, but when you're angry and you do things that you you later regret, but this one he could really regret if the Brewers end up not advancing because of it because he was critical. But you know these guys better, these other guys, these alternatives better than we do. So it's going to be interesting to see. But I just uh, – I love these two matchups in the first two games, pitching matchups. I mean, these are – it's going to be great, this, these numbers are one and two. And – both teams, either teams could go either way with one and two. I wouldn't yeah. have been surprised either way. Freed or Charlie, and they gave it to Charlie because they that's the way they were lined up already. And Charlie's pedigree postseason, can't argue with that. But they're just like the Brewers. You could have done either one of these guys one and two. So it could be really interesting. Eric, let's hear from today's sponsors. Lineups. Bray's got a uh, – ton of power this year up and down the lineup. Um, I, I I haven't seen a Braves team with as much power throughout the lineup as this one has. I mean, you literally have a guy hitting eighth, Dansby Swanson, who hit 27 homers this year. So um, that I'm curious to see how that will translate into the postseason because in the past we've seen some teams that rely so much on the on, on power not come up big in a postseason. You could also make your argument that teams that try to play that uh, – you know, station to station and, and string together three hits. They don't do well in the postseason because they pace better pitching. So that'll be – I'm curious about that. But how about this Brewers lineup? What, are, what what do they feature and how are they hitting right now compared to other points in the year? Where are they right now? Yeah, I think it's a little bit better than what people give it credit for just because when you look at their overall season statistics, that lineup in April – did not resemble what it looks like now. They did not have Eduardo Escobar in that lineup. They did not have yeah. Billy Adamas in that lineup. Um, obviously, Garcia was not hitting the way he did the rest of the year. Um, so, like, there's some huge differences there um, that makes for necessary context when looking at their offense. And I think the other thing is, for, for a stretch of time in the second half, they did post really good offensive numbers. And then what happened was they started to rest a lot of regulars because of uh-huh. they were 30 games above 500. They knew that they had a division wrapped up, so they didn't have to ask a lot of Willie Adamas. They sat him on the bench for a while, let his quad heal up or get to where it was more playable than it was at least. And so they didn't, you know, they didn't need to keep their foot on it um, during that time period. So I look at them and I kind of give them the benefit of the doubt there. But again, the numbers are what they are and they're not very good. Um, and they do not have, I guess, like the power threats that the Braves, certainly not the Braves have, but even other teams, like they, the Brewers don't have like a guy that hit, you know, who, who threatened to hit 40 home runs this year. Um, mm-hmm. Their most productive player was Garcia. And this was a career year for him. So it's not as if like he has a track record of doing this every single year. Um, Willie Adamas has been a revelation for this team and, He's performed beyond what anybody could have expected offensively. I think that is for real. I think it's legitimate what he's been able to do here. Um, they, they really helped unlock some things for him with his swing and just made him a better hitter than what he was with Tampa Bay. Um, so there's some reasons to like them, but there are some like huge concerns that I have with this lineup. One, of course, being Christian Yelich. He, just mm-hmm. never got going at all. Like we saw him maybe one week in August where it was like, he had the, I think it was two home runs in one day. And then he followed that up with like a two hit game or whatever it was. Um, but that was it. You know, it was never a sustainable success. It was always like a flash here, a flash there. 
and you always thought, okay, this was this will be the time yeah. where he gets rolling and um, he'll carry the team for a little while. And it was like everybody else took turns carrying the team, and he never really did. Yeah, um, and so like, in a yeah, and that just leads me to think that it's like as much as you want to say like, okay, the playoffs is when he'll turn it on. There's no, there's yeah. no evidence for, to suggest right. that. I mean, I looked at Cody Bellinger last night and I kind of thought to myself, well, he had a nice game and, and, and Christian is certainly capable of that. Like he'll make a nice defensive play. He has, he's great on the bases. He'll, he could steal a base for you. If he gets on, he could draw a tough walk. Um, but to expect him to like hit that big free run homer or whatever, um, I haven't seen it all year. So, if he does, credit to him. That's awesome for the Brewers. But against you know a good pitching rotation, that's that's a lot to ask the guy. Eric, I think they're going to put this theory, our theory, to the test that we've discussed so many times about how it's better to go right to the wire and be the wild card yeah. team and have to play all the because the Brewers are a classic example. Like the Braves used to clinch in the middle of September or start resting guys. Yeah. Bobby would rest guys, and so many times you figure they tried to flip the switch and start, okay, now postseason, let's go. And they, they weren't able to do it. And by the time they get going, they're down two games to one in the, in the series or they lose game one. So I'm really curious to see this because I'm a strong advocate of the teams that are pushed to the wire are better off than the teams that clinch early and then relax and get the pitching rotation in order, rest guys. I just think I've seen it so many times where the wild card team that comes in and has to fight all the way to the end comes into the postseason firing on all cylinders and the other guys are trying to get going again. So Brewers hit 207 in their last 14 games. So that's going to be curious. I, I, I'm interested to see how they do. Um, I was going to ask you about Yelich, man, because I am I am at a loss to understand what has happened to Christian Yelich because I thought a couple of years ago he was arguably the best player in at least the National League. I mean <laughs> – Back-to-back years where he could have won MVP. Won at one time and got sat close second to Bellinger in, in 19, right? Won it in 2018. And he's only 29 years old still. Eric, did you think Bellinger, I mean, did you think Yelich was, he and Bellinger, you know, you had Acuna coming to threaten them, but they were like, they were a little bit ahead of Freddie for at that point, you know, 2018, 2019, when Freddie had two injuries, that kind of thing. Yeah, you know, I mean, I don't really... Guys go through it. You know, I think it, he created it's two years. I, I let him off the hook last year because you get off to a bad start right. in a 60 game season. Right. It's a different Strange kind year. of pressure to start putting up your numbers and get it going with the season ending soon. And I do think, you know, it's, it's weird pitching to a guy. You'll, you'll say it in the, in the pitchers meeting or something, you know, you, you know, the scouting report and everything, but they'll say, but he's not hitting right now. You know, and that and that gives you a different kind of confidence attacking the guy when you know he's not hot versus when a guy's hot, he steps in the box. You're just that little extra bit careful. You might fall behind him, might walk him. Um, but he's still Christian Yelich. You know, if he comes up in a big situation and, and you got to get him out, it, knowing he's not hitting doesn't give you that much confidence because you know what he can do. Um but yeah, I mean that's that's a good sign for the Braves if he's if he's been cold and hasn't hasn't put it together and it's it's probably something mechanical or some some adjustment he hasn't been able to make, but that's just what the game does to you, man. You fall into a yeah. rut, and and I mean you could be the best player today and the worst player tomorrow, but yeah. that's not saying one Bellinger. something clicks in BP today. Yeah, <laughs> I mean right. that's kind of the hard part to say. You know he'll turn it on for the playoffs because he's been trying to turn it on all year. Right, he's been trying to find it. He's been searching all year. So the odds are you don't find it, but you can't trust that if you're the Braves. You still right. got to know he's Christian Yelich and what he's capable of. 
Um, so, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't sleep on him even as, as much as he, he struggled. He killed the Braves for several years, first with the Marlins. And then when he went to the Brewers, yeah. man, just killed him. Uh, he, he homered twice on August 21st against the Nationals. He's hit one more home run the rest of the year, finished with nine homers and 399 at bats this year. Get, he hit, he, he played 117 games, hit 248 with a 736 OPS. Um, here, here's the thing. The, the two-year stretch that I was talking about, 2018-2019, this guy hit 327 with a 415 OBP, 631 slug in over two years, 63 doubles, 10 triples, 80 homers in 277 games, and just over 1,200 plate appearances. He had a 1,046 OPS, a 171 OPS plus over a two-year span. He you know, was phenomenal. You know what I think of is he'd get a lot of homers. And I'm not going to call them wall scrapers, but balls that he'd punch out to left center. And they Those supposedly liners that yeah, would go, yeah. They supposedly deaden the balls this year, and there was less homers. You know, that's that's the type of thing that can change too for a guy having to swing a little harder, having to change something, not having the confidence that he could flick the ball out to left. Um, I, I saw him all the time staying inside a ball and, and hitting into that Brewers bullpen. You know, if, if those turn into flyouts and you start getting pull happy, I mean, that's what we talk about with Dansby all the time. When he starts getting pull happy, he struggles. I wonder if that had an effect on him, just not getting those. Because you get two or three of those to scoot out, relax, yeah. and get hot. Um, but, yeah, they did. They did change the ball, so he might not quite have the same power. You know, when he pulls it, it's out. But um, I wonder if he started pressing and, and swinging a little hard, and then you get in a hole and just can't get out of it. 153 extra base hits, including 80 homers while playing 147 games and 130 games, back-to-back years. Nine homers Le- is – that's not good. Le- led the league in slugging and OPS both of those seasons, won the MVP in 18, finished close second to Bellinger in 19. Okay, in the two years since then, he's hit 234 in 175 games, 50 total extra base hits, 21 homers, 392 slugging percentage. From over 600 to 392 in those two-year spans. 752 OPS and 103 OPS plus. So that's 631 slugging to 392 slugging in two-year spans, back-to-back. 1,046 OPS, 752 OPS in the two years since then. 171 OPS plus, 103 OPS plus. I mean, 29 years old. Yeah, I still don't trust it. He's too good. Yeah. To Eric's point, um, the Brewers have still batted him third in their lineup most of the season. Yeah. And they, for the first time since they acquired him from the Marlins, for the only time too, they batted him sixth in one game. And so, like, I'm interested to see, like, where he falls in the order just because of that. Yeah. Um, because, like like Eric said, like, there, there are times where we've seen the opposing manager make a pitching change with a guy on second and yell at you up and they go to a lefty. And so... That's critical, of course, in the playoff game to force that hand, right? And we've yeah. seen pitchers continue to pitch around him um, just out of respect for who he is. Now, I'm not a mm-hmm. swing doctor, and I'm not going to pretend to be one on a podcast, but you know, I challenge both like everybody to look at just like his at-bats this year and compare it to like two years ago, and it's just not the same dude. And you know, I, I know spring training doesn't matter or anything like that, but, you know, I was in Arizona and I saw him just launch balls out, out of the park and just hit these tape measure home runs during the spring. 
And then he had like um, a nice week or so into April where he was hitting the ball, getting on base, you know, average on base percentage were well above um, even his standards. Um, so it looked like things were in sync, but then he went on the um, IL because of a bad back and the back has been a, has been an issue his whole career, but it was something that he's always been able to play with and perform obviously at a high level with um, this year. I don't think so much. I mean, like he went on the IL for it. They, uh, took him off the IL for one day. He played one game and then he went right back on the IL for it. And so that to me just tells me like maybe he's overcompensating yeah. for it. Maybe he's yeah. doing something yeah. differently. And whether it's barking or not, you know, it's funny. Um, Tom Hardercourt covers the, the Milwaukee uh, Brewers for the Journal Sentinel. And we always talk about how we've never met a person who has had a bad back and all of a sudden said, you know, my back feels great. You know, like right. it's <laughs> right. one of those injuries right. that just, it's absolutely, you know, it's like, and that could explain a whole lot too. Yeah. If it, it could, comes yeah. out in the end that he's been playing with a bad back, that he got a shot up sometimes that he tried to get through it, you know, and didn't want to complain about it. That would explain a lot. I mean, backs can change your whole career. Oh, mm -hmm. I mean, that's just, you can't, totally. we've, Eric and I've talked about it. You just cannot grit, you know, no. grit your teeth and play through a bad back and act like it's not there. Yeah, you can pretend, year, but it's not going to be the same. <laughs> yeah, all year they've said like, "Hey, he's healthy." Christian has said he's healthy, but it's like at a certain point, it's you throw your hands up and you say to yourself, "Well, why are the numbers are where they are?" Then I mean, this guy all—I'm yeah. not—I don't believe that this guy all of a sudden forgot how to hit. Yeah, um, yeah, at twenty-nine. Uh, yeah, off of two, like you said, David MVP type years, where twenty nineteen was actually better statistically than twenty yeah. was for him. So. Yeah. It, it's just crazy. Uh, it, it's something that you hope that maybe a winter away helps him out um, once that time comes uh, for the for the Brewers' sake and for his sake. Um, but right now, it's like I'm interested to see like where he bats in their lineup. I know that could be that could tend to be a little bit overrated, but you know, in the playoffs, I feel like where guys are matters um, more than over the course of 162. And so that's something interesting to monitor. And then just if he could have a game like Bellinger where he helps the team win. Maybe if he's not launching the ball into the stands, he's still doing other things, which he's totally capable of and which he's been doing this year. Well, they come out aggressive because Charlie has been known, and Charlie told me this himself a couple of days ago, that this year, the first standing, he's been uh, he's had a couple of games where he gave up some runs in a first or second inning. Then he locks in and, he's, and he doesn't give up anything the rest of yeah. the way. And he said, you know, it's no secret. I'm going to throw fastballs in the first inning. That's the way he does. He comes out, and teams know that and jump on that. Are they an aggressive team? Will they come out and do try to do that against Charlie? Yeah, sometimes they could do that. And I think it behooves them to try and do that because, like I said, they, they don't have that potent lineup where you can sit around and wait for three-run homer. Yeah. Um, and you don't really strike fear the way, like, Riley, Freeman, Albies, all these guys do. You know I mean? It's just not that right. type of lineup. Right. Um, and the pitchers on the Brewers, like if they get rolling, they don't really need a whole lot of support, right. but we've seen so yeah. many games this year where like Brendan Woodruff has gotten zero run support. I mean, and that's why, you know, I mean, wins and losses, whatever for, for these days, but like his record is what it is because of that very reason that there are times where he had three of 12 or 15 consecutive quality starts, mm -hmm. whatever it was with like two wins or something like that. It was something crazy. Uh, and, and, they were just not scoring for him because a lot of times they'd, he'd be opposing a number one and they were just shut down. Yeah. So. Cool. All right. Listen, we kept you man. We're longer than we said we would. We really appreciate you being on here with us and I'll see you out there at the park for the workouts today. All right. 
Yeah, anytime, guys. Thanks for having me on. Looking forward to it. Much appreciated. Thanks, Thanks for coming on. We're going to wrap this up here, but uh, thanks, Will. That's Will yeah, Salmon. It, and we'll, we'll, uh, it's going to be an interesting series. Maybe we'll get him on again and talk about it later. Guys, let's take a quick break, and then we'll finish up the show. Eric, just to follow up a little thing, I, I was looking at, I was looking at, because uh, Yellich fascinates me, the, the, how he's fallen off. I just can't recall a guy doing that recently without having a major, like a knee or shoulder or something that you could point to, you know at that age. Although Andrew Jones was not much older than that when he fell off the table, you know, but he gained weight and all that. And he played banged up with his shoulders, but he was still at what should have been his peak years. You know, when he went to LA and performance just went, you know, but Yelich, you look at him and physically you wouldn't think, you know, no, you know, he hasn't had a, a, a devastating injury or anything, but I was looking at that. Man, it's like the 2019 MVP award was cursed because you look at Bellinger and Yelly and Yelich, they finished one, two. Okay. Look at who finished, you know, who finished third that year? Anthony Rendon. You know, really? you know, it was fourth and fifth. Cattell Marte, Ronald Acuna Jr. Jeez. This year, Marte played 90 games. Acuna played 82. Rendon played 58. Bellinger played 95. Yelich played 117 and put up those numbers we talked about. Those are the five in 2019. That's how fast this game could change. All guys that still should be in their peak years. Overnight, man. I mean, I, I think almost any baseball player that's smart will tell you they spend their whole career not waiting to fall in their face, but afraid to fall in their face. Yeah. You know, like – I mean, you have to have that mentality. You have to always be working. The second you get comfortable in baseball, something like this happens. You're talking about five guys that happened to that were on yeah. top, you know, MVP candidates. Two years later, you know, Acuna's coming, got to overcome a, a major injury. Yeah. Be- Bellinger's had two seasons in a row with question marks, even though he had a big postseason last year. Uh, Yelich is doing what he's doing. And, and, and with Yelich, you know, I think that, that kind of makes a lot of sense to me with the bad back where. Yeah. You know, when your back's really banged up, I tried to pitch through a bad back in twenty in 2008 with Seattle. Yeah. And it was good enough to go out there, but you just can't move the same. Your, your hips aren't allowing you to fire them and rotate through the ball and throw the same. So, you know, it zaps your power as a hitter. But I, I gave up like 20 runs in five innings. And, and you feel this pressure to... If you're if you're able to walk around the clubhouse and look normal, and you're right. saying your back hurts and all your teammates are banged up, you feel this pressure to go out there. But backs are a little different than a trick yeah. knee or or a or a sore shoulder. You know, I mean, every movement in sports comes from yeah. your core and your and your hip area. Um, so I went out there and I pitched anyway and just got shelled. And you know, I didn't. Then I felt the pressure to not make that excuse that my back was bothering me because then you're just making an excuse. So I get sent mm-hmm. down to AAA. Tried to pitch like another couple weeks like that in AAA and just kept getting shelled. And finally, I came to the realization like I just can't pitch like this. And that's why I wound up a brave because the, yeah. the Mariners were like, this dude's back's done. He's toast. So, I mean, backs can they can change your whole career. And I think if he's feeling that pressure, you know, he's got his contract, he's MVP, he's hitting in the three hole. He knows the team needs him. They're trying to compete, win a World Series, feeling that pressure to go out there. He might be going out there at 70, 80 percent, 85 and you'd be shocked how much being at yeah. 92% versus 100 makes a difference at the major league level. Yeah. I mean, 
We've seen it in every sport. Vax is the one thing that can stop a career or change or alter a career drastically way before you think a guy should be done. I mean, I just think about the Larry Bird, how he used to lay, he'd have to lay on the court beside the bench when he came out of the game. He'd have to lay, could not sit in the seat on the bench, you know? Other guys have to get on the bicycle and stay warm because if they sit down for a second, they're done. But Larry would have to lay on the ground. I mean, because he could have played otherwise with his game. He could have played another five years, you know, the type of game he had. And it's cold in Milwaukee. That is not good back weather at all. Like, it's cold in there. Even right. even even though it's a dome and they got the heat, it's cold in there. Right, and yeah, plus your the rest of your day, you're outside and go moving yeah. around just in everything. Yeah, it's uh, the so. cold division. Honestly, I mean Cincinnati early right. and late. A lot of those Chicago. It's a tough division to play in with a tight bad back. Okay, well this is gonna be a good series, man. I'm looking forward to this. I'm gonna be surprised if it's not good. These pitching matchups are gonna be really really good. It's so different than a year ago when the Braves went into it, hoping yeah. that thinking, you know, hey, we got a couple of good starts out of these kids. Maybe they can carry it over. But remember how surprised everybody was shocked. It was yeah. shocking how good they pitched in the postseason. Yeah. You know, the Bryce Wilsons and uh, Kyle Wright mm-hmm. and Ian Anderson had only had like six, seven regular season starts. And all these guys came up huge in the first couple of rounds. Yeah, and Bryce yeah, and the NLCS. So this year you got some known commodities that are come, that, that that have pitched for months now and been really hot. So I, I it's going to be interesting, and they're going to need it against these Brewers. The pitching that the Brewers have got that uh, lineup. I looked at that lineup though. It, it, uh, looking at that lineup one through nines, it's it's nothing like the Braves. No, when you when you look up and down that thing, I'm not saying they can't score, but that's that's the one area I think the Braves have a major advantage. I'm looking at some guys that are hot and not. Uh, Urias for the Brewers had an 886 OPS over the last month. He's become really important. They overhauled their their infield the way the Braves overhauled their outfield yeah. almost. Yep. Three of their guys, yeah. He hit uh, five homers September, October to tie. Avisel Garcia, another one of the guys he was talking about for the team lead over that span. But, I mean, it's like Braves have got guys who hit five homers, you know, in, in a week. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, uh, Avisel Garcia had a career-high 29 homers. Uh, Escobar finished strong for them after being hurt in August with a hamstring. Uh, for for the Braves, Freddie hit 330 with a 911 OPS over his last 28 games since September 1st. And since the break, hit 332, 928 OPS, Freddie being Freddie. Austin Riley, we know all about what he's done. 362, four homers. 1,052 OPS over his last 14 games. So he's taken that that career year right up to the end and coming in a, coming in healthy and hot in the into the postseason. So going to be interesting to see how he carries this over too. After this little you know four day break that they've had, they had a workout yesterday, good workout, and they had some sim games Monday and Tuesday. Some I think of these that's guys smart. hit. Yeah, some of these I think guys that's hit. Freddie got in there and tracked some pitches against uh, Ian. Yeah, uh, it's a long layoff. You know, I mean, it, it is. It's you can't wait to play, and you, you don't get that much time off all year except the All Star break. Mm-hmm. So I think it's smart they had some sim games, get guys in the box, maybe make them competitive and fun. Austin Riley's nineteen homers tied for third in the league after the break with Adam Duvall's teammate and with Tyler O'Neill, the Cards little muscle head guy. Yeah. Uh, did you see Tyler O'Neill's dad? By the way, the pictures of his dad. No, but his dad was a bodybuilder. Yeah. 
Oh my God, he was huge. He looks like one too. He does. Uh, Dansby's, I think Dansby's one of those really encouraging things for the Braves because there was concerns about that that slump that he was in. That was long. Yeah. And his last nine games, he hit 308, 419 OBP, and 919 OPS. Before that, he had been in a 10 for 79 slump, hit 127, one homer, and a 395 OPS on that stretch, long stretch. So that was good to see what he did for, for uh, you know, in the last couple of weeks. Really started hitting the ball the other way again, right center, which is when he's going, going well, that's what he does. Well, then, the worst thing to do is to roll into a postseason or a big game and know you haven't found it yet. Yeah. <laughs> to know you're still guessing and just hope it's there. You know, I mean, you want that answer, and it seems like he kind of found it, and he's in a good place swinging the bat better going into the postseason. And, you know, we've talked about it before. He's kind of a bright lights kind of guy that seems to – Seems to do something big in those big moments, so so that's good. He had a big division series last year. He had a big series. Yeah, for that, uh, Jorge Soler, four times homered four times his last twelve games in fifty five games since the trade to the Braves. Had a three fifty eight OBP, eleven doubles, fourteen homers, thirty three ribbies, eight eighty two OPS. Huge trade. I I think there's something to it too with the Braves just. You know, obviously, you'd rather face Solaire than Acuna, but I think there's something to it. Throwing that power threat out to start the game, yeah. You yeah. just as a starter, you know, you're you're on your heels from the first batter versus yeah. you know, when it's a guy that's going to slap a single. Maybe he can run. You know, it's it's not as intimidating as Solaire getting up there and might hit one 480 in the gap. No doubt, man. I mean, <laughs> it's a tough start to the game. You can't ease into the game as a starter when you got nope. Acuna or Solaire up there. Yeah. Or it even get easier because he'll yeah. ambush you, man. Yeah, and it doesn't get easier after that. But, yeah, I, I think there's something to it with the Braves have been doing that the last few years. Is I mean, Acuna's obviously just a great hitter, but Soler has good at-bats, and he can hurt you. You know, to kick off the game, that's a tough start. Uh, one I'm curious about is Adam Duvall to see how he responds because he was unbelievable after they yeah. traded him to the Braves, uh, after the Braves got him back from Miami. He was unbelievable for a while. At beginning fifth game, he had a stretch – Finished the year with 38 homers, career high, and 113 ribbies led the league. But he was one for 20 with no walks in his last six games. Six for 35 with no homers, 13 strikeouts, and no walks in his last 10 games, including that game where he left early with the fatigue, leg fatigue. Yeah. So I'm curious to see if the four-day break right, really helped him. That might have been what he needed, you know, yeah. to come back fresh. Because before those last 10 games – Beginning with that, yeah. Beginning with that stretch in the first week after he came to the Braves, he had a forty-game stretch where he hit two forty-three, fifteen homers, thirty-eight ribbies, and a nine twenty-one OPS over forty games. I mean, he had a that was scalding. Fifteen homers in forty games. So, and remember, last year he was slumping before he hurt the oblique in the game one of the NLCS, which knocked him out of the rest of the LCS and would have kept him out of World Series if they'd had advanced. But he was struggling before that because he was two for 20 with one homer and 11 strikeouts, no walks in the postseason before that injury. So be curious. See what he does in the postseason. Yeah, and he's not, you know, he hasn't been a high, super high average guy anyway, but he's just no. done damage when it counts. So exactly. I think that rest will be good for a guy like that, especially, you know, it's it's always odd to see a guy pulled out of a game for leg fatigue. Yeah, I mean that that tells me he was already he was already beat and tired and, and kind of pushing it and going out there and that's one of those places where the team just steps in and says, "Hey man, you 
you need a you need a blow. You know, you don't you don't look the same. You're not moving the same. Let's let's get your legs a, a break. And I mean, he was in center field sometimes this year. He was right. It's a lot more running than a lot. And he's a big yeah. boy to be. <laughs> I know he's put together. And he's diabetic, man. Yeah. And he's type one diabetic. I mean that that plays into all these decisions. I think. Yeah. You know? I mean that, that that's just a different. You're dealing with a whole different set of factors, parameters, and you know when when it, when you're talking about type one diabetes, you know. Yeah. And a lot of times when you're in a slump, you know, you you find yourself tinkering, you know, trying to fix this, trying to fix that, swinging more and more in the cage until you feel right. And it's amazing sometimes how you just, you know, you don't recognize because you're always tired during the season, but you don't recognize that, you know, the bat speed's just not there. You don't need to change your swing. You don't need to change anything. So he's a guy that two, three days off could just be a hard reset. And, and you know, during the season, you don't feel comfortable not taking BP that day because you want to feel good that night. You don't feel comfortable right. taking it easy in the middle of the season because you know you're going to be out there. But when you know you got three or four days off, it's so much easy, easier mentally to say, the next two days, I'm just recovering. I'll take a few hacks. I'll take it easy. And then I'll try to lock it in game, you know, day three or four before the postseason starts versus grinding that whole time. And a lot of guys fall into that trap where they just work harder and harder and harder and get more and more tired. So the break is something that, that could really help him. And and uh, keep in mind, too, when they traded him from Miami, he was playing a lot of right field for the Marlins yep. in a dome stadium, yep. nice and air-conditioned, half the games. He came over in the height of the summer to Atlanta, was playing every day. Yep. I mean, and Snit rode him hard, as yep. Snit said himself. And in this in towards the end, he's playing mostly center field. Yeah. You know, because after they got Rosario and left, yep. and Soler and right, they had Duvall playing center field. So that's a whole different thing. He's running around a big center field in the heat of the day every day, no dome stadium. So, you know, and then you stack on top of that the diabetes. How big he is, you know. I mean, a muscular guy, not not fat. He's, he's not at all. He's a big dude. Yeah, yeah. he's jacked. So that's a lot of running around for somebody that big, you know. Not not to mention the other health factors. So I think the four day break, yeah, like you said, could be really big for him. Not going to surprise me if he comes out and is raking again like he was earlier. Yep, and that, that was something I learned kind of early on in my career was to to not panic when things just don't feel right at the end of the season. I think it was it was Norm Charlton told me he's like, "You're tired. You don't realize it. Yeah. You don't feel it." but you're freaking tired at the end of the year and you got to find a way to make pitches and and not panic that you don't feel great, you know, and stick to your plan, stick to your mechanics and all right. that. But you know, it's, it's easier for somebody to say that to you, but when you got the pressure of going out there every night and you don't feel right, uh, you're going to toy with your swing and try to fix things. So yeah, I think you're, you're probably spot on with changing the hot weather and running around center field. Uh, you know, that mileage can catch up to you quick, especially being a big guy. Cause you know, when you're in right field, if there's a ball hit to left or left center, yeah. you don't move. Yeah. You just you're there, exactly. right? Yeah. When you're in center field, ground ball's up the middle, ground ball to left field. You got to go back up two outfielders on on every fly ball. So, I mean, I wouldn't say it's double the running, but it's it's probably pretty close to how many more plays yeah. you're involved in being in center field. So that that mileage could have caught up with him for sure. All right. Well, a lot of talking. Now they're going to yep. play. So, it's going to be going to be fun to see here. I think uh Brace can start what they hope is a long postseason run. Maybe maybe match up with those Dodgers again in the uh, uh, LCS. I wanted but, them out. <laughs> but but this is a first-round obstacle that's uh, bigger than either of those they faced last year yeah. when they faced the Reds in, in the wild card series, which it was last year, you know, yep. it was best of three. And then the Marlins in round two. This is a much better team than either one of those. Much more balanced. Yeah. 
neither of those teams was very balanced. This is a much more balanced, pitching heavy, and but but a balanced team with good defense. And we'll see. Um, but the Braves, if they play well, they've seen they, they didn't play anybody. with anybody. Yeah, if they play, if they get good pitching, they'll win this series. The two teams I I don't like the most are the ones playing last night. You know, for the Braves to match up with. Right, Dodgers have knocked them out a couple of years, and the Cardinals have knocked them out. And the Cardinals just yeah. seem to have some weird. I mean, that's almost a good thing they're out of it because they just find a way to win series and games you don't feel like they should. But you know, at least one of them's gone. I feel like they match up well with the Giants. They played them well. Um, yeah, they just played them out yeah. there too in San Francisco. And, and th- those were and good they, games. They weren't overmatched. And at they all. know Gossman very well. Yeah. So yeah, I think th- I think they'd be confident against. I think they're confident against anybody. But I know that you know th- they felt like they should have won that series in San Francisco. I feel like the Dodgers are going to win that series. All right. Well, we'll do this again next week uh, before the games. The games. Uh, game or games back in uh, Atlanta. But for now, 755 is real and we are out. Enjoy the games, folks. Mm-hmm.